following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. And this was the reality and this was the usage of citizens as human shields. And this is what we deal with when we go on battle. Because you need to differentiate between, differentiate between regular people like you and me and between terrorists. And that's not easy. Um, I want to show you another picture. This is a regular kitchen in the Gaza Strip. This is a picture that I took uh, a few years ago in 2008. You can see the fridge on the left side. You can see the sink on the right. You can see something that we probably have in our kitchens, a landmine, right? A regular thing. So, no, yeah. Um, it was attached to a detonation device waiting for a terrorist to push the red button like in the movies. Um, but fortunately, the terrorist was not there. He ran away a few minutes earlier. Because if he had pushed push the red button, so I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Um, and this is human shield. Now, as an, I, I'm saying this as an Israeli and as, as an officer. I don't hate Palestinians. I don't hate that family that used to live there. It's not a war between us and the Palestinians as a people. That's not right. The war is between ourselves and an ideology. Between us and Hamas, a radical organization that took over Gaza and now uses these families, these children, as human shields. A few hours later, after I left uh, the school, um, I went to a different building and I immediately saw a missile launch right about 200 meters from where I was standing. It looked like a white trail of smoke rising to the air and it was flying not towards myself and my soldiers, but towards Israel. And it exploded in a city called Sderot, not far away. And immediately one of my soldiers, his name was Alon, and he was totally afraid and confused. He was pale. He was white. And I asked him, Alon, what's the problem? Are you injured? What's going on? And he said, no, I'm not injured, but my family lives there in Sderot, in that place that was just bombed. And my message to you is that, you know, we're not fighting an enemy or an ideology that is far away. We're fighting something that is in our own backyard. When I was in the Gaza Strip, I saw the missile that was fired and I saw where it hit in Israel. Everything's so close. So when you join the Israel Defense Forces and you fight uh, for Israel, you actually fight for your wife. You fight for your friends. You fight for a lad. You fight for people you know. Because that's what we do. Because the war is right here. And this is, what, this is why I joined the army, and it's actually a right and a privilege for me to do so. Uh, I'll finish by saying that I'm married. I'm going to have a child maybe in a year or two. You can ask my wife. She decides everything. <laughs> but it's going to happen sometimes. And that child is going to reach the age of 18. And in Israel, uh, army is compulsory. You, you have to join the army when you're 18. Uh, but you know what? The, the reality is that I really don't want him to join the army. I don't want him to see these photos. I don't want him to be a paratrooper. I really don't. I want peace. I want him to go have fun with friends. I want him to go to parties. I want him to just have fun, go drink coffee in Tel Aviv. I want him to have a regular life, watch Seinfeld like I do. Okay? We have MasterChef. I love MasterChef. I want him to do th those things. I mean, like a regular guy. Like we, we do in Israel. Uh, but the reality today is that, like, like, you, like you see here, it's, it's, 
it's difficult, it's complicated, and we, we cannot do those things yet. Um, we cannot feel like normal people yet. And that's why we joined the army, and that's why I do what I do. Um, I'll give the mic to Elad. He'll tell a story, and after that, we'll have to answer questions you have about Israel, about the conflict, about the army, or anything else. So thank you so much. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, my name is Elad. So I'm over here uh, with, with uh, Tamir as well. And once again, you know, I'm going to have to apologize in advance if I'm a little bit delirious. Uh, it's morning. We're not really used to waking up. Um, it's not a civilian uh, time of the day. Okay? So I actually come from the northern part of the country. I live in what you call a kibbutz. Uh, how many of you have ever been to Israel? Uh, it's a lot of people. Okay. So you know what a kibbutz is? Okay, that's wonderful. I'm actually going to take that definition and use it in your uh, permission. It's uh, it's a collective farm. It's uh, a social community. We get to share everything. Uh, there's no I, there's us. We get to work. You know, people wake up in the morning, they go work, but with the salary, with the, with the payment that they get, they contribute to the community. They uh, don't get to enjoy it. Uh, but I had the privilege to grow up in uh, this kind of a community. Um, and that's it. It's close. It's nearby the uh, Lebanese border. Okay, it's uh, just right on the other side of the fence. So we saw a lot of you know a lot of things happening between the two countries. I recently graduated from college. I uh, majored in dietetics and um, nutrition science. It was four years. I went to the facility with uh, 300 girls, so uh, that was the fun part. And uh, yes, also back home I work since I live in um, some kind of a big farm. As you said yourself, I uh, work with animals. I work in a, in a dairy farm. I work in a cow shed, and. Um, what I do, I take care of the calves, actually. I love them very much. I love them dearly. These are no calves. These are actually my nieces. Um, and that's it. I want to take you back to high school days a little bit because uh, it's not just about military. You know, we're just uh, normal human beings. Um, and uh, I think Tamir was talking a little bit about basketball. We just love basketball in Israel. And this guy, how many of you are familiar with this guy behind me? <laughs> want to share Okay. 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 You're the one who asked. <laughs> okay. We're even because you asked Amir about the day. So <laughs> now we're even. Okay. So this guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This guy is Omri Kaspi. He's a, an Israeli representative. He plays at the best league of the world. Currently plays for the Sacramento Kings. And this guy behind me over, over there is another famous Israeli, LeBron James. I'm kidding. Um, the little guy over there is an Israeli-American coach. He used to coach Maccabi Tel Aviv, which holds, uh, currently holds Euro European title. 
And now he gets to, uh, yes, um, coach for uh, the Cavaliers, which is pretty impressive. Also, uh, in addition to basketball, I had some other hobbies. I used to play uh, guitar. I had a cover band. We were pretty good. We even signed a record uh, contract. But eventually, we didn't make it to show biz, unfortunately. And that's because we had to get drafted. I mean, first, the drummer get, got drafted. So we had no drums. It was kind of weird. And uh, the guitarist had to get drafted. And uh, the lead vocalist, which is myself, we all had to get drafted. So um, no, uh, I guess, no fame for us. And the reason why we got drafted, actually, is because we reached the age of 18. And uh, basically, uh, the military is the compulsory. It's a mandatory, uh, it's a mandatory uh, mission for everyone. I mean, if we want to protect ourselves, then probably nobody else will do it. So, you know, I had dreams. I mean, we do think about college. We do think about developing ourselves as individuals. But um, the only thing the only thing we think of when we're in high school, when, you know, when we're prepare for our finals is actually what's going to happen in the military in just a couple of weeks. Okay. So, um, yeah, age of 18. And I actually got drafted into a very difficult uh, security situation in which Israel was targeted, uh, was bombed in, um, public places such as coffee, uh, coffee shops, buses, Hotels, uh, stadiums, clubs, just people, parks, okay, um, and other primary means of transportation, okay. So um, I was kind of afraid to be honest with you because I wasn't. I was say it, but you know it's kind of true because I wasn't really born with a helmet in my hand. I didn't even grow up like most of my early years. I spent outside of Israel, so I wasn't really familiar with the reality. The only thing I knew is that when I open up the news TV, so I see. War, okay? And uh, I was fat with the news. But the news, you know, they tend to lie every now and then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Israel is a beautiful country. It's not just about war, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, and then I got to the military and got to the army. And um, one good thing about the army that I could say is that it's a very good place to find your match, Okay? And um, my parents actually met in the military. My dad fought and got injured in the first Lebanon war. And my mom actually nursed him in the hospital. So this is how they met. Uh, I think Tamil met his wife in the military as well. I met my ex-girlfriend <laughs> in the military. And uh, that's it. Okay. So first day of the academy. It's pretty much the same like over here in the States. I was, um, you know... I was a little scared, and my commanders, they made us run, they made us sweat, I hated them at the end of the day, but I really appreciated them, and you know why? It's because they also, just before, you know, dismissing us, uh, they were gathering everyone around, and they told us, you know what, first of all, it's very important, we don't care that y'all didn't run fast or didn't jump high enough. The most important thing for us is, first of all, we want you to be human beings. We want you to be that. And then we um, then be soldiers, um, officers, whatever that is. That kind of made me feel really proud. It made me feel that this is where I belong. This is actually, this is right. Okay? And also, Israel is a multicultural 
country. Okay, it's pretty much like the United States. It's a melting pot. So I came across with many different languages, um, many different um, ethnic groups, many different colors, if you, if you like. Um, it was really, really interesting. And um, first day, I mean, you know, I came across with so many different languages, with Russian, with French, with English. I met a lot of Americans, lots of Canadians, South Africans. It was fascinating. And I even met a couple of Israelis because, what do you know, it's the Israeli Defense Force. And, uh, yes, I was really, really lucky. This is me uh, in the age of 21. It was like 45 years ago. Um, and this is me two weeks ago. And the reason why I show you pictures of myself still in uniform, holding a rifle with soldiers and everything, and it's only two weeks ago, and I'm, by the way, I'm 30 years old, is because unfortunately we have a tough reality. And every now and then we get called because you never know what's, what, what's going to happen. So basically... Two weeks ago, uh, a couple of soldiers got killed. They were ambushed near, right across the Lebanese border. And I was called to the military because we operate around that area. And the funny thing is that, you know, I got drafted, I got redrafted, and then I was stationed only a half a mile, a half a mile away from my home, from my own backyard. You know, so I stand on the top of the hill with my soldiers, and I see my own backyard. So I think it's a little bit of a different fight. I mean, we fight for our, our home when you can actually see the threat from your backyard and vice versa. It kind of makes you realize that things are real. I want to talk to you a little bit about my first station in, in the military. I was stationed in the holy city of Hebron. How many of you have ever heard of that city? Okay, that's great. And uh, it's, it's actually it's mentioned in the scriptures, okay? It's considered to be holy for Christians, Jews, Muslims alike. Uh, it's believed that our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, along with their wives, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah, are buried over there at the uh, Holy Patriarch's Cave. And um, demographically speaking, it's a huge city, okay? Uh, we're talking about a quarter million people. Most of them are, most of the residents are Palestinian or Arabs, and there's a tiny little minority, Jewish minority, that's located at the center, at the heart of Hebron, and uh, whom have been living actually with a fragile coexistence with their Arab neighbors. The city is history is saturated with a lot of violence, mainly towards the Jews, okay? Unfortunately. Now, uh, 2002 uh, was Sabbath, okay, Friday night, and us as Jews, we actually welcomed the Sabbath with a collection of uh, collection of blessing uh, in Friday night, and all of a sudden, I hear gunshots. I hear gunshots in the background. Um, company commander was, you know, talking about the operational achievements of the past week. Things were going good. And it's not the first time I hear gunshots. I mean, unfortunately, me and Tamir, the Israelis, we get to hear it pretty often. But uh, it was a little bit different. I felt something big was going on. So what I did, actually, me and my friends, we rushed into the ICV, which is an armored vehicle, and uh, grabbed our gears. And me and the rest of the response team actually got to the scene of fire. And uh, when we got to the scene of fire, they were already casualties. 
including four civilians who have been killed. And what happened over there is that actually Jewish civilians, Israel civilians, were targeted, were being shot at just because they were Jewish. And they were identified by their white Shabbat clothes that they were wearing. Okay. After, you know, bullets were flying by, I thought it was in some kind of a video game because I used to play lots of video games when I was a child. I liked it. I still like it. And uh, it's only up until that moment, you know, that your friend that stands next to you, you know, that you kind of grew up with because this is what happens. Like, we grow up together. I mean, we go to go to preschool and then we go to junior high and then it's high school and then you get drafted and then you serve up until the age of 42, if I'm not mistaken, 42. So, you know, that brotherhood feeling, you know, that you, you will do anything in order to risk, you are even willing to risk your life in order to save your friend's life. So one of my best friends that stood next to me actually got shot. And before I realized what was going on, I got shot myself. Uh, pieces of bullet penetrated my skull. And I got shot in the tail as well. After a couple of hours, I mean, I, um, I survived, luckily, thank God. And after a couple of hours, we managed to eliminate the targets. But what had to happen is that, um, you know, just before I'm going to continue, I'm going to tell you that the thing that bothered me the most over there, I remember clearly the moment that I got shot, is not the fact that, you know, I might die. I think the fact is that a lot of innocent people might die because these guys... And when I say these guys, I'm talking about heavily armed Islamic terrorists who planned this ambush. We're operating within civilian area, highly populated civilian area. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, we can't let harmless um, civilians to get hurt. So, yeah. And by the end of the night, what happened is actually we had 12 casualties, eight soldiers that lost their lives, and four civilians who had died. This is a little map of the city of Hebron. And, um, well, you can't really see it, but there's like a there's like a little tiny red spot over there. This is the um, Patriarch's Cave. And this is where we need to secure the area. And uh, Israeli, uh, like Israeli civilians are making their way weekly from the next town of Kirat Alba to that area. And the sole purpose of the presence of the IDF over there is just to protect, okay? This is what we're there to do, to prevent these kind of events, not to harass Palestinians, not to pick on them, just to protect our people, and that's it. This is a little bit of a sash that was found, that was used by the terrorists, caused a lot of damage, and... Um, you know, I kind of lost my memory, and this is why I don't hold grudges. Um, <laughs> funny thing is I remember not remembering. You know, I didn't even recognize my own mother for a couple of weeks. And um, I guess the message I'm here to deliver, uh, which is kind of similar to Tamir's message, is that we don't hate. Seriously, I'm not here to talk about the Palestinians. I'm here to share my personal story with y'all. And... Um, I do think that the Palestinians uh, are victims. I think they do have the right for self-determination for their, their own country and whatnot. They're just regular human beings, just like myself and just like you guys. And I really do have a hope for the future, you know, that uh, things will change. 
we do have a big challenge over here because what we're facing is an ideology. We're not facing an enemy that wears uniform of any kind or any color. So I guess, you know, my hope is that when I'm going to be father sometime in the year 2045 or something like that, I don't know, um, that I won't have to send my kids when they reach the age of 18 to the military. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be over here to answer your questions. Hey, anyone have any questions for them? Yes, right here. Uh, you've got elections next month. Um, what are the primary issues that are, are being talked about in the election, and what do you think will happen? Uh, so we're having elections soon, um, and the primary primary issue, like always, is security of the state of Israel, of, of the people of Israel. And when we talk about security, we can talk about the Palestinians, but they're not an existential threat to towards Israel. They bother us. It's harmful when missiles are firing fire towards Israelis. But the problem is bigger because when we talk about Hamas, Hamas is not operating by itself. It's, it's, he's not alone. When he's operating, he's doing so with Hezbollah. That's another, another terrorist organization in the north, in Lebanon. But when Hezbollah acts, he does not do so on his own. He gets supported by Iran. And when we talk about a security threat, uh, we talk about an existential threat from, from that country. And when we talk about Iran, we talk about nuclear weapons. And that is our main main threat and our main fear as Israelis because we have a country that says it, it says out loud that they, they do not want Israel on the map. They do not want me at all. Um, and when we hear that, so, so we have a problem. So when we're talking about the future elections and Benjamin Netanyahu probably wanted to come here to Congress to, to speak, He's doing so because uh, we we fear for 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 the lives of Israelis and we fear for the future of Israel, and that is our threat. Um, you ask me what I think about the elections. Um, I really don't know who will be elected, but um, I I hope it will be someone that will think about the safety of our country and will know how to uh, ask for help from our biggest allies. And our biggest ally is the U.S. And that is why Benjamin Netanyahu is coming here to Congress to speak and to ask for help because we cannot do that on our own. So Likud is, um, is falling by one or two votes. Um, but you need a majority in the Knesset, that's like our parliament, in order to establish a government. So eventually, I think that Likud will be able to, to establish a government and they will have a majority, even though they're a bit smaller. Okay. <laughs> Our current president prefers to call it ISIL and not ISIS. Is there a significant difference between those two terms?
It includes Israel. Uh, I can add and, and say that uh, it doesn't really matter for me. I mean, I don't really care how, how we call it. Um, let me give you an example. During the last operation in the summer, uh, missiles were flying again from the Gaza Strip toward Israel. Uh, I, was call, I was called again for reserve duty, and uh, I was patrolling the border with Egypt in the south, and I got a phone call from my wife, and I heard sirens in Tel Aviv. Uh, and missiles were flying towards Tel Aviv. That's the first time since I remember myself. They were flying from Gaza. But then, missiles were flying from the Sinai Desert, from Egypt. You know who fired that missile? Missiles? ISIS and, and, and Islamic organizations. And after missiles were flying from Gaza and from Egypt, we saw missiles flying from Lebanon, from Hezbollah and from other Islamic organizations in the north. And after that, after three different countries firing at us, we had missiles from Syria. And who fired the missiles from, uh, from Syria? ISIS. So it's four, border, four borders, four countries in the last operation. So I don't really care how we, call, how we call it. We can call it another name. We can call it, I don't know, a chair. I don't really care. But the, the, the situation today is that um, we, have an organi- we have an ideology that we're fighting against. And, um, and ISIS is right in our backyard. And we're facing it... Um, like you are facing it, and this is a threat for us. Uh, what can we do as citizens of the U.S. to help um, in any way possible? I, I know that you guys are going around speaking, but um, in us, is it just um, personally standing up? And you know, when a conversation comes up, you kind of project the truth that you guys have shared with us. Uh, is it you know, different organizations that we can become a part of or, or speak about or, or point people towards? What are some things, you know, that we could help? Because, um, you know, I, I truly believe as, as a Christian that, you know, the blessed people of Israel, and I want to back them in whatever way possible because uh, I know they are blessed people of God. So um, if you guys wouldn't mind just helping with some things that we could do. Well, first of all, we really appreciate it. I mean, it's not a trivial thing for us. We really appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. We comprehend the fact that it's highly important that the United States has a close relation, close relations with the state of Israel and also with uh, the American people, with the Israeli nation. And I think, uh, well, first of all, you could uh, follow us and, you know, we have uh, our organization information. We're going to leave it over here afterwards. But Tamir maybe was talking a little bit about that earlier, you know, share, this is the most important thing, share our personal story. Uh, My story is your story now. And um, I guess I was was talking yesterday to a Jewish American high school student. And I was asking them, he was, he was kind of, you know, the only Jewish kid in town, so he holds the flag, he holds the shield of the uh, state of Israel around his block. So I was asking him, how does it feel for you? So he told me that it, basically it's, it's okay, but, but every time there's something up, if every time there's an operation or some kind of a mini war, so I, I have to fight a lot of, a lot of misconceptions and, 
And I guess it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing because these misconceptions are among us. They're everywhere. You wake up in the morning, you open up the news, you watch CNN, and you see a lot of biased uh, information. It's very, very, very hard to fight that. And I think the only way is by educating, by educating your friends, your coworkers, uh, your family members. Um, you know, I don't blame a lot of people for not knowing the truth because if the truth, if the truth is not being told, how would you know it? So I guess just hard work and educating and maybe you'd like to add a little bit. I'll add to that. Um, just as an American and also the work that I do, um, you know, like we are here with Stand With Us. So um, that's what we do. We educate. But the main thing that we need to do is uphold Israel in prayer. Um, you know, it says in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all who live within her walls. That's something that God asks us to do. Um, you know, it's not just the Jewish people, but definitely, you know, like we must uphold Israel in prayer. Um, but the second thing is, is that I work with the next generation. And it's a big concern because um, the next generation is losing their, their definitions of anything. And, you know, because when truth is relative and, you know, your truth is your truth and it works for you, there are still things that happen in reality that we can't get away from. And it's really up to us. There's a reason why our youth are losing their connection and their understanding of our responsibility to the Jewish people and to the state of Israel because we're not teaching them. Like, I, I was this big when I started learning about Israel and I couldn't get away from it in the scriptures. And if you take God at his word, you can see Israel and the Jewish people cannot be sundered. And if you believe and you stake your life on those promises, you have to take him at his word. That we as unnatural branches grafted in, we can't have any pride towards the natural branches. Okay, so that, those are the things that we must do. Um, you know, and then also make sure that you know, like our Congress remains pro-Israel. So you know, like as voters, you know, like that should be a hinge issue for us. And, you know, and even though we know that God promises that the nations will turn their backs on Israel, we as his body are not supposed to. Okay. Uh, this is more of a comment than a, uh, than a question for everyone that's here. There's a show on the weekends called Israel Now, which gives a perspective of the news of Israel in the, uh, in their perspective, and it, it's really an eye-opener. Uh, I would recommend that you watch it or record it and watch it at a, at a later date, but it really gives a great insight as to a point of view of Israel from the Israeli side rather than from the American news side. <laughs> or Google it. Google's our friend sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I'll take one more question. And then if it's okay, if we can pray for Tamir and Elad, um, that would be the best. This may not be completely analogous, but I think historically the biggest mistake the United States has made is doing partial wars. 
We tried to do it in Vietnam. Let's get rid of the bad guys and pull out. We tried to do it in Afghanistan. It's been a disaster. Iraq, a disaster. We could go on and on. My question is for Israel. What is the preventive reason and why does Israel not do it? In fact, historically in the Old Testament, this is what God originally encouraged the Israelites to do. Why doesn't Israel just go in and say, Palestine, we're going to attack you, we're going to invade you, and then we'll work out our differences once we are in control? What's stopping that from happening? Okay, so... Um you're correct. Well, according according to the Old Testament, at least, because I'm, f- I'm familiar with the Old Testament. I know it is obligated. I mean, we have to protect our country, and we have to do anything in order to an- annihilate our enemy. And then after we deal with the threat, then we have to carry with the moral consequences and whatnot. Um, I think... Israel has always, and it's also written in the Bible that, you know, the Israelites, the people of Israel would always want to be like their fellow nations around the world. That would not work. That's just, you know, a concept that doesn't work. And this is, we witness nowadays, just, you know, the uh, gradual development of the state of Israel and how we become sort of like America and the rest of the nations. And what we see, I'm I'm not saying necessarily it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing that we are a legal state and we are are obligated to follow international laws and uh, as a part of international laws. And, you know, we are engaged in a lot of partial wars as well because I think Israel is a kind of uh, the... um, an American branch in the Middle East, if you like. Uh, there's there's a reason why Israel is being called the little devil and America has been called the big devil. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to say over here is that um, because we're, we are human, and since I said it earlier, we don't fight an army. If we would have fought an army, it would have been a lot easier a lot easier to deal with the threat, to deal with the targets, because you know, hey, I know they carry this kind and kind of an artillery, and they got 500 tanks, and, I, and, and, and so on. But no, they are operating within civilian areas. They're taking advantage of their cruelty in order to, in order to make us weak, in order to make us lose this war, in order to make us go in partial operations, military operations. Fighting a war, I guess, against Hezbollah is almost impossible. As it is against Hamas and uh, maybe ISIS as well. Not military-wise. Uh, ide- uh, the ideology, as I was talking about, you can kill your enemy, but you can kill an idea by the end of the day. So before going on an operation, I guess, it's highly important to know your missions, know your targets, and, and realize if they're possible to achieve. So... I hope that answers your question. It stopped the war indeed. And, you know, I think that a lot of years after we do still carry with the consequences. Um, It's been a lot of years. And, you know, luckily we... um, America and uh, Japan was it right, and kind of put their differences behind them, and 
And I'm glad that it's that that it happened. You know, I think it's a good it's a good uh, example of how things can change. Because we, because we only talk about what's bad, and we only talk about the conflict, and we talk about you know we are so um, into the conflict that we don't even see a day after we we've lost. I mean, a lot of people are being really cynical and sarcastic about this this conflict, but things can change. You know, within 60 years or so, like a hundred years. That's not a lot of time. So I, I think the most important thing, first of all, is not to lose your hope and uh, look for diplomatic solutions as well, human solutions. Uh, and, of course, military solutions are always a possible. It's a possibility. I think it's the easiest thing to do, the easiest thing to do, because it's a voice, you know, it's an opinion that they keep on hearing in the public. I mean, just go in there, invade, bomb, kill, and that's it. Uh, that would be the easiest thing, uh, but the question is, what's going to what's going to happen the day after? So. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.